Who is Jesus? This is a question that has been on people's minds since really his birth, and it continues to be important. Recently, one of the foremost advocates for critical race theory weighed in on this question, and the answer is, well, interesting. Welcome to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, your host. Thank you so much for participating today, for taking time out of your day to listen to this. I want to help equip you to follow Jesus and engage in the public square. And more and more, we need to do this. I really feel compelled to tell you that we need to do this. It's not an if, it's not a when, it is a must. You cannot sit on your couch and watch Netflix and think, hey, when this all blows over, Life will be great again. We'll just go back to the way things were. That's not the direction this world is going. And I want to help you understand how to live in this world in a different way. Hopefully, in the way that God calls you to live. This isn't about me. It isn't about the church. It's about your relationship with God and how you follow him through all of these weird plots of life. And so what I saw over the weekend was this clip from a guy Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist and a couple other books that talk about some of the problems, as he calls them, in America and why they are part of America, baked into the cake of America. We've talked about some of these previously on the Critical Race Theory episode, and we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. But I think this clip is interesting and, and poignant in the sense that This is how some people are thinking about Jesus. And this is how people equate religion with some of the ideals and really ideology of the day. And it's important to understand this. It's important to understand this. It's important to follow after this because if we don't understand the arguments that people are making, if we don't understand their point of view and where they're coming from, we're going to have no chance in bringing the actual true things to bear. And that's really the point. That's really the important thing. We have to be able to say what is true and what is not. So I want to play this clip for you. And this clip talks about Jesus. And it is a view of Jesus that, I don't know, may be different than the view that you have. So take a listen to this. In other words, Jesus was a revolutionary. And the job of the Christian is to revolutionize society. That the job of the Christian is to liberate society from the powers on, on earth that are oppressing humanity. Everybody understand that? So that's liberation theology in a nutshell. Savior theology is a different type of theology. The job of the Christian is to go out and save these individuals who are behaviorally deficient. In other words, we're to bring them into the church, these individuals who are doing all of these evil, sinful things, and heal them and save them. And then once we've saved them, we've done our jobs. And and to me, anti-racists fundamentally reject savior theology. So there was a lot in there. If you weren't watching, he's giving a talk at ostensibly a church. Apparently it's a church. I don't really understand how it could be a church, but side issue. 
So <clears throat> he is looking into these things. And I mean, off the bat, the first thing you should realize, if you are a Christian, a believer in Jesus, and as a believer in Jesus, I'm just going to get really to the core of, of Christian theology here. We believe that, as a hymn has said quite profoundly, we believe that our Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. So when you hear somebody who is tr uh, trying to portend that they're a, a theologian, in other words, the study of God, talking about God, and says Jesus was a revolutionary, that may have been an inherent slip of the tongue, but I think it reveals a lot here. If Jesus was anything, then you've missed the point that Jesus is. Jesus is, God is, I am. When Moses meets Jesus, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. When Moses meets God and Jesus, Trinity, I mean, longer story. Uh, he says, who are you? And God responds and says, I am that I am. And that's important. God doesn't say, I was this thing. Back in the past, I used to be this thing. God says, I am, because God is present. And God is present tense. And Jesus is resurrected. If you don't believe that Jesus is resurrected, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then you don't believe in Jesus. And you aren't a Christian. I mean, that's 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 the basic tenet that I can state here. You, you, that is being a Christian is believing in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the life that you have because of Jesus' life. Jesus is. That's why this question of who is Jesus is really, really important. And it's really important. The reason we need to talk about it today is you need to understand what you believe so that when you hear things like this and you hear somebody say, Jesus was a revolutionary. And in some sense, that's true because Jesus came in and changed the entire spectrum of how the world is operated and the world order. He did that, but not in the way this person is saying. And so when you hear somebody say, Jesus was something, Jesus was a revolutionary, you should immediately have some alarm bells going off in the back of your head going like, wait a minute, there's more to this story. And in fact, there is. So he goes on to say, what he is proposing is liberation theology. And again, this is important, and we have to talk about this, because this person, Gendi, is proposing and, and proclaiming himself a theologian based on these ideas that he has that, again, as we'll see, are not of the Bible and are not actual Christian theology. They are a theology, make no mistake, but they are not Christian. And in other words, this uh, person, Kendi, says that liberation theology, the purpose of Christianity is to liberate everyone, to free everyone. And in fact, that is true. Jesus came to free people, which is why these are really tricky things to work through. You have to understand what's really being said here. And what's really being said here is not that everyone is free and everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. It's that some people are more free than others. As George Orwell famously put it in his book, Animal Farm, we're all pigs and all pigs are equal, but some pigs are more equal than others. And that's the point we're getting to here. Then what's interesting to me and sad and strange, in fact, is that Kendi goes on to say, most people in the church are used to dealing with savior theology, savior theology, going out as he describes it and trying to convert people, trying to say to someone, I'm sorry, 
you are not sufficient in yourself. I'm sorry, you are destined to continue to make bad choices. And again, go back to Romans and read through Romans and you'll note this is exactly what Paul says to us in the theology of God, in the theology of the Bible, that we can't possibly make it on our own, that all are sinful and fall short of the glory of God. This is just the reality, again, of God and Christianity and our fallen nature. That's just true if you believe in God, if you believe in the Bible, if you follow after Jesus. But Kendi is saying, no, no, going out and trying to convert people, telling people you're not good enough is actually bad and oppressive. And of course, in his, quote, theology, it is. That's bad. You should never tell someone that you're not good enough because, of course, you're good enough in yourself. Unless, of course, you're white because converting people is white supremacy and oppression. This is the slavery to Kendi. Telling people you're not good enough, telling people you need something more, is slavery, according to Kendi. According to Jesus, however, following God is actually freedom. That's the truth of the matter, because you are currently enslaved if you follow your desires, if you follow your flesh, if you follow all of your ideas. Again, go back to the Ten Commandments. Read through the Ten Commandments. Why are they so important? Why do we need to understand what they are? Yes, we are freed from the law through Jesus. Don't hear me incorrectly, but the Ten Commandments point out our slavery under the law. In other words, we cannot make it there on our, on our own, on ourselves. Again, read through Romans. Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 9, whole thing, whole thing's good. We are slaves to our sin on our own. These are the appetites we have. When we follow our appetite, our appetite for desire, our appetite for the flesh, when we covet, when we steal, when we lust, when we do all of these things, we become slaves to them. And you can see this, and we all know this. Take something as simple, as easy as eating. You know that you are a slave to your appetites when you overeat. You know that it's not good for you. And yet we do it. And that is the slaver we have to our sin, to ourselves, to our desires. And of course, you could extend that to sexual slavery and substance abuse and all of these other things. We all know this inherently. We just know it. Now, we don't want to admit it, of course, because then that would admit that we're not good and we're not good enough. And so this other theology comes in, this liberation theology that is freedom when you follow after Kendi's ideals here. True liberation is doing whatever you want to do. True liberation is doing whatever you want to do. Hear that. Understand that. Internalize that. That is what this person is prophesying to you. Saying that if you follow all of your desires, if you follow the desires that you have, the desires of your heart, you're actually going to be free. But of course, we know. I just explained. That's actually the opposite. Because if you follow all of your desires... If you live a life of sin, if you live a life of mistakes, if you live a life of just living for yourself, there is a big reason why Jesus said the most important thing you have to do beyond loving God, loving others, is dying to yourself because that's how you love God and love others. When you die to yourself, what does that mean? That means the things that I want to do, as Paul says, are not the right things and yet I still do them. But the things that I should do, the God things, are the things that I just can't quite do. Paul talks about that. Jesus talks about that. And yet, that is following God. That is true Christianity. 
Kendi would have you believe that true Christianity, true faith is liberation in doing whatever you want to do. And effectively, this is what this does. This is why this is important. This is removing God from Christianity. Of course it is. Because who wants to have a God in Christianity? Who wants to have a God in your religion telling you what to do? Nobody wants that. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. You don't get to tell me what to do. Even though God is referred to as father more than anything else. No, we have to remove God from Christianity because then you can do whatever you want to do. And of course, that is the goal here. The goal is removing God from Christianity, removing actual Jesus from Christianity because you don't need God anymore. And that's the bait and switch. It feels so good to say, oh yeah, I don't want to be racist and I don't want to be sexist and I don't want to be genderist and ageist and ableist and all these other ists words that they put in. Of course, those things feel good, but you should do that when you follow God and love one another. To enforce that because you believe it's what you want to do is actually just a misdirect. It doesn't actually work. You cannot be good on your own. Again, back to Romans. This is what we are told. This is what we even understand in ourselves when we really think about it, when we really self-examine. You know that you just want to do the things you want to do. We all know this. You know this from birth. Your toddler wants what they want, and they want it now. Veruca Salt wants what she wants, and she wants it now, Daddy. Of course, this is how we all are. The process of following after Jesus is removing the self, denying to self, and following instead after something bigger, something better, something more godly. That is Jesus. So this liberation theology, in opposition to the salvation theology, is actually functionally the opposite of Christianity. The problem now is, and this is why we have to talk about this, it is everywhere. It is in the military, it is in schools, it is in corporations, it is all over the world, and especially here in America. And, and this is important. Kendi and others are the voice of the current culture. He is the point of the spear for this diversity, equity, inclusion mindset that is in almost every corporation. It is in many, many schools across America. And this idea, this ideology comes from the foundations of critical race theory. We talked about that on a previous episode. You can go and take a look at that at churchpublic.com. And this resets the religious landscape that dominates the current culture. This Judeo-Christian value based on, again, the Ten Commandments and the values of Christianity, the values of God, the values of Jesus. And you see this new liberation theology popping up all over the place in sports, in soft drinks, in food, in classrooms. I was looking up some of the books and the readings that have been assigned to classrooms. Some children as young as kindergarten are reading books called Books like this book called Not My Idea by Anastasia Higginbottom. Apparently, that's how you say your name. I apologize. Uh, this book is about whiteness. It says, whiteness is a bad deal. Quote, it always was. It basically compares white people to the devil. There's actually a picture. I didn't get a chance to pull it here, but there's actually a picture of a white person uh, kind of confessing or making a pact with the devil. I mean, it literally says, oh, I can see your tail, and there's a little tail of the devil coming out. In other words, if you are white by skin color, of which you cannot change, you are either making a pact with the devil or some kind of minion or demon connected to the devil. Is that good? Can anyone say 
that's good to tell little children that I'm sorry, little child, you are literally the devil because of the way you look and there is nothing you can do to change it. Nothing you can do to change that. This is the important point and this is what we cannot lose sight of. The beauty of Christianity and following Jesus is it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even matter what you've done. Look at Paul, the murderous Paul. Look at David, the adulterous David. And again, and on and on and on. We could talk to you so many stories of people who have been redeemed. Following Jesus, you can find your redemption through the grace that only Jesus can provide, through the cross, the ultimate sacrifice that only Jesus has done and could have done, and through the new resurrected life that Jesus gives you. Not that Jesus was, but that Jesus is. Again, back to the beginning. Instead, this new religion, and make no mistake, this is definitely a religion, says if you look a certain way and you act a certain way, you can find salvation. If you look a different way, it doesn't matter how you act, you can never find salvation. That's horrible, both in its racism and in its lack of hope. There is no hope in this new religion for certain people. It's only if you are born into a certain segment of the population that you can truly find salvation in this religion. And that, I, I can't even, like, it hurts my heart the amount of hopelessness that must cause for these poor children who are being forced through their schools to read these things, like this book um, that we talked about, where it says, quote, Racism is a white person's problem, and we are all caught up into it, mostly by refusing to look at it, end quote. This is a problem, teaching little people that they are racist, or on the opposite side of that, teaching them that no matter what they do, because of their skin color, they can never get ahead and they can never make a difference. That All, of, all sides of this are bad. And the problem is, it doesn't end on race. These theories go beyond racism. They go into gender issues. In fact, they're intertwined or intersected, in their words, as... And they and they move and morph as quickly as all of these letters get added to the alphabet. There are other books in children's classrooms like I Am Jazz. And they, he, she, me, colon, free to be, among others. And these books teach that you can functionally be whatever gender you want to be, regardless of biology, science, reality, etc. This matters because it is functioning like a religion. Kendi confirms this to be so. This isn't some weird conspiracy. It isn't some small subset. You know by now that this is mainstream, pushed by the highest powers in the land, and pushed consistently. Some people follow some kind of Jesus in this, though as we've discussed, it's not the actual Jesus. It's not the real Son of God. And this is baked directly into the cake intentionally. Kimberly Crenshaw, who authored and pioneered much of the present critical race theory, also argued that gender and race were a part of this larger intersectionality that we see. And it is exponentially increasing faster and faster and faster. Kendi said in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he tells a story about how his parents' wedding, where Ephesians was quoted, Kendi relays a story uh, about his parents' wedding. His mother balked at the suggestion of the wedding vows. Quote, husbands, love your wives, and wives, obey your husband. That is on page 186. 
His ma apparently interjected and said, quote, I'm not obeying him. What? Pastor Quinby said in shock, turning and looking at my father. What? Dad said, turning back to look at my mother. Um, it goes on. Quote, the only man I obeyed was my father when I was a child. She nearly shouted, staring into Dad's wide eyes. You are not my father, and I am not a child. End quote. There's a lot here, and there's a lot to unpack here. One, the scriptures are not sufficient, obviously, in this story. The story goes on, and I won't read the whole thing for you, but it moves into this, quote-unquote, black feminist movement. Again, race and gender are inter... They are impossibly intertwined in this, and you cannot remove them, and this is part of the issue that we have to know and have to deal with. Kendi goes on to say, homophobia cannot be separated from racism. They are intersected and they have intersected for ages, page 193. For this reason, one cannot be fully and truly anti-racist while harboring moral opposition to homosexuality or transgenderism. Anti-racism requires embracing both. This is the problem. This is the problem where we're doing things that are outside of the bounds of truth, outside of the bounds of scripture, in order to satisfy this, quote, liberation theology. This is part of the issue that we have to figure out how to deal with. And I'm not saying that oppression doesn't exist. I'm not saying that discrimination doesn't exist and disparity doesn't exist. Of course they do, and that's the thing that critical race theory can highlight but by and large, as a practice, as an ideology, it is bad, it is anti-Christian, and we cannot get on board with these types of things. When you hear someone say, salvation theology, which is the theology that all Christians have believed for 2,000 years until now, not all, of course, there have been sects, there have been different cults, there have been Gnostic offshoots. And that is exactly what we're seeing here. This is a new Gnostic religion. Gnostic, by the way, just means you have a knowledge that I don't have, and therefore you are at a higher plane than I am. That is a Gnostic religion. You know more than I do, and because of who I am, I can never know the things that you know. That's not a good place to be. And that's not biblical Christianity. Christianity is following after the wisdom where God says that if you seek wisdom, God will give it and give it generously. He doesn't say he will withhold from people because they don't do the right things or look the right way. This is a social practice that acts like a religion and it has all of the trappings. This religion has priests and rites and rituals and we have to treat it like it does. It does give an account of our brokenness like religion. It gives an explanation of our pain, which we can see. Of course, there is pain in this world. And it gives this saving story with these moral imperatives. You must do this or you are not a follower. You are not saved. And it even includes this hope for the future, but sadly, not for the white man and probably not the white woman. But everyone else is miraculously saved once those pesky people are removed from the planet, apparently. This is a response to the meaning of life question, this meaning of who is Jesus and the meaning of life. And it's attractive because it gives some people answers, but it doesn't give all people answers, and that's the problem. Salvation from Jesus is available to all if you turn and follow after God. This new religion, this state, this invented religion, 
This liberation religion does not have forgiveness and it does not have salvation for all. It cannot possibly offer such things. And this is not, make no mistake, just an all roads lead to heaven pluralism like some offshoots of religion over the years. This is not the coexist sticker, if you're familiar with that. No, not at all. In this new religion, there is no coexistence. There is no compliance. Confess and be accepted. Deny and be excommunicated, be fired, be kicked off social media. I have shown you in the past where preachers are preaching what the Bible says, for instance, about homosexuality, and they are jailed for it. They are kicked off social media for it. This is not live and let live liberalism. This is live and let die Gnosticism. You must follow or you will be labeled racist or a heretic or an unbeliever or a bigot or a misinformer or whatever the new social media term is and you must be cast out into the shadows and into the darkness. Now, if it sounds like I'm worried, I'm not. Long term, I'm not worried. And this is the hope we have. You know that God has already defeated sin and the power of death through his son, Jesus Christ. But this current cultural climate is and will continue to be more hostile to those that hold to Christian values. So you need to know that and you do need to act accordingly. It's not a time to be scared or afraid as God says over and over again. In fact, the the most repeated commandment in the whole Bible is do not fear. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry, but it's also not the time to just sit around and watch Netflix waiting for this to be over. It's not going to be over. Now is the time to lean in. You need to read your Bible. You need to go to church. You need to pray with your family. You need to know your own theology. That's why I'm doing this for you. You need to know what you believe so that when you hear things like this, you can know, oh, that sounds compelling, but I'm not sure it's true. And being true, following after God, having a right apologetic, that means arguing against things that are false, and having a right theology, knowing the true things of God, are really, really important. Truth is really, really important. And we need to continue to follow after God, even if, and especially, maybe when this culture turns against Christianity, which day by day it seems to be doing. So I want you to be prepared for that. I want you to sit up straight, know your heart and know your conscience and know what God calls you to do when this world says, no, no, you have to do this instead. What are you going to do? I posted the other day that October 6th, was the day that Tyndale was killed. And Tyndale was most famous for translating the Bible into English to make it more accessible for people to read. Now we have the Bible in almost every language, multiple, multiple languages, and it's available on almost every device at any moment. And yet we don't use it. And we really need to start using it. We really need to start reading it. He was killed for translating that. And more and more, we're in not a similar situation, but we're escalating into a situation where you can't say the things the Bible says on social media. You can't say the things the Bible says on TV or in the in the news or in movies. You can't say them or you will be canceled, fired, perhaps worse. In other countries, definitely worse. So what are you going to stand for? You need to know and you need to get ready for perhaps more persecution here in what was ostensibly the land of the free. 
Again, it is not a time to worry. It is not a time to be concerned. It is not a time to run screaming for the hills. It's a time to know the truth of God, not your truth, but the truth of God presented through the person of Jesus Christ and to live it every day in the big things and especially in the little things. How are you going to live today knowing what is right and knowing what is true? Those are the important things and I hope that you can continue to do that regardless of whatever opposition comes your way. Thank you for spending the time with me here today. For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard. God bless and keep the faith.